Welcome back to season three of the Sex Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen DeWitt, and this season, we're going to be doing a deep dive on what it takes to remove the taboo that's been there for too long. We're going to strive to normalize these conversations and seek out those places where these conversations can be so helpful and transformative. We're going to rethink kink and everything that comes along with it. Let's go. Here we are another week back for Sex Life Unleashed. This week's questions had me stumped sometimes. You know, when I get the questions, I don't spend a lot of time prepping. I just collect them and then I go live and channel my answers. But there were some ones that had me thinking really quickly. So I hope you enjoy them. Everywhere from getting your clit smacked with a penis to having sex with your partner and then that disappears. What do you do? How do you have those conversations? These are so important on many levels, even if you're not in the exact same place, but the fundamentals that I go over are communicating, advocating for yourself, setting boundaries are such a key component for you accessing the sex that you want in your life. I'm Dr. Stephen DeWitt. You know that. I'm here to support you. If you want to work with me, click the link below. Enjoy the episode, and I'll see you at the end. Question number one. After 30 years of sleeping with a circumcised man, I'm now embarking on a new relationship. I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming he isn't circumcised. Interesting. I don't know how you'd know that, but cool. Maybe there's been some petting above clothes, under clothes. I don't know. And I totally don't have a clue what to expect or what to do with it. If that is the case, please talk me through this. I think I will be able to ask him what he likes, but I would also really, really like some hints as to how to approach this potentially new experience for me. I'm stressing that I won't have a clue when first presented with it and have this insecure fear that I'll do something wrong or embarrassing. (laughs) That's such a great question. And I think for most people that I talk to, there is this fear of doing something wrong or being embarrassed or being judged for not being this, this sexual savant, right? Having all the right answers, having it all figured out. Like, Who is that person? But there is this pressure on us that we have to be great lovers. Like we are really good in bed. I think most people have that in the back of their head. Now, because of all the work that I've done, I don't have that in the back of my head because I've had my fair share of bad sexual experiences. Probably you have too. And I realize that this is not one, a competition. And number two, that each partner is different and each partner is unique. So trying to figure out or have all the answers for every partner and every body part, however their body part presents itself to you, is going to drive you crazy and have you worried about things that you really shouldn't be worried about. So let's talk about the penis. Let's talk about the foreskin. So some people are circumcised. So at birth or later on in life, they have that skin that usually covers the head of the penis penis removed. Then there's people that don't have that removed. And that's a choice that parents make for their kids. Now, if you've been with a circumcised man for 30 years, and you're now embarking on a journey with a potentially a person that isn't circumcised, there isn't a heck of a lot different other than skin that covers the head of the penis. So if you go like really technical, depending on what your partner likes, and I'm going to come back to that, you just pull the the skin that covers the head away from the head. Now, 
most penises that can do that. Some pe penises don't, it stays covered or it's painful. So you're gonna have to find that out. But most people, it's very, very easy. It slides back over the head of the penis. And then it really, really looks like the person doesn't have a foreskin, especially when the penis is erect. So there's this, I know there's, I don't know if it's still prevalent, but growing up, there was a lot of shame around if you were uncircumcised. I remember I was in grade four. So what are you like nine years old? And I was at a urinal and I still remember the guy's name who was standing beside me. He was also in my grade. I'm not going to mention his name. We're friends on Facebook, but he looked over and was like, oh my God, Stephen has an elephant penis. That's what he said. I still remember it. And then proceeded to go into my grade four class and tell everybody that I had an elephant penis because I'm uncircumcised. So there was at least this stigma around being uncircumcised. It's especially in like North America and in Canada, that's not something that is unhygienic or can be a breeding ground for disease or HIV. That is not something that is there to be worried about. There's this thing sometimes where I'm, I talk to women, they're like, oh my God, it's so gross to have an uncircumcised penis. And I'm like, eh, let's talk about that a little bit more, right? First of all, there's nothing wrong with having an uncircumcised penis. And when a penis is erect and the foreskin is pulled down over the head of the penis, it looks like you've been circumcised. There really isn't a lot of difference there. For me personally, a little flop of skin, if you're going to be judging someone because of that, it's probably not a good partner for you. So anyways, going back to this person's question, I think I'll be able to ask him what he likes. Okay, good. That's all you need to know. Me telling you about what you should do or not do or what works for your partner or doesn't work for your partner is I'm just guessing, right? I have no idea, right? I have an uncircumcised penis, but my uncircumcised penis probably likes different things and enjoys different types of stimulation and doesn't like other types of stimulation that is completely different from your partner. So you asking anybody other than that person isn't going to provide you with really fruitful advice. I just breathe. You're adults who are with another person for 30 years. You'll figure it out. Have a conversation. Don't get hung up on a piece of skin on your partner's body. All right. There we go. Question number two. Who? And there's two on this theme, but I want to go to both of them because people have submitted these questions. So I want to answer these questions for you. So sexless marriage, husband not want to have sex anymore or attracted to me. I still take care of myself and consider myself fairly fit. He doesn't want to seek therapy for it always pushing me away six years of a sexless marriage. Sad face emoji. That is a sad face emoji. I'd have a sad face emoji too, if it was six years. So I'm going to start kind of high level, and then I'm going to get down into maybe actionable steps that you can take. There are three kind of general options to think about. One is stay in the relationship as it is and suffer and just be like, okay, I'm just not going to have sex. The second is leave your partner. And the third is have a conversation with your partner to figure out options that work for your relationship. And those options look like many, many different things, depending on what else is going on in your relationship. If there's, you know, kids involved, mortgages involved, things of that nature, leaving your partner may not be an option, but it's your sex life. And that's an important part of your life. It's not the most important part of your life, but it is important. So if we look at what that could look like, it's having a conversation of the options. Does it look like opening up the relationship? you exploring sexually with somebody else and 
is that an option? Also sitting down with talking to him and he says, okay, he doesn't want to seek therapy. When I'm talking to people in sexless relationships, and again, heterosexual sexless relationships, there's a lot of shame for the man around not being able to perform, not being comfortable with himself and his body, not having the libido that he wants. And so having a conversation with your partner that is more focused on understanding why your partner doesn't want to talk about it and where that may come from and creating a really safe space for them to have that conversation can go a lot farther than hitting them with any kind of judgment or you're jumping to let's open up the relationship. I would first really encourage you to get really curious and have some conversations of what's going on for your partner. Because I promise you, at some level, unless the person's a sociopath, but I'm assuming he's not, he would like to be able to have sex. He would like to be able to connect with you that way. But there's something that he is carrying. It could be shame. It could be guilt. It could be fear. It could be many, many different things of him not wanting to or being able to. So I think a, a good first step would be to sit down and to get curious and start talking about maybe what's underneath that. That'd be a good place to start. And if you try that a number of times, it's you've been six years together, then start looking at, okay, how important is my sex life in this relationship? What are the steps that I need to take to live a fully expressed life and love my life? And sometimes those are some difficult questions to answer for yourself, but important ones. And I would really encourage you to not shy away from them, lean into them because yeah, it may be uncomfortable for a year, two years, three years, but it's not going to be 30 years, 40 years that you're building up resentment and you're unhappy and your partner's unhappy, right? So my answer to question number two, question number three, and this is awesome. I love this person. I mean, I love everybody who has the courage to ask me questions, but this person made me laugh. So I have bought a bunch of stuff to try toys and lube and some nice undies to go with it. Bye-bye, granny panties. It's all in a box under my bed because I don't know how to bring this up and I don't really know how to instigate any of this. Do I wrap up the box and give it to him? Do I just randomly pull out a toy the next time we're in bed together? We can be quite open and vocal about sex and what we want whilst, whilst we are doing it, but it's not the sort of thing that we chat about with clothes on. Okay, great question. So take your clothes off and sit down and have a coffee and have this conversation. No, I kid. But I do think it's important to have conversations about sex when we're not being sexual. Because when we're having sex, we're supercharged up. We're excited about things. The blood may not be flowing <laughs> to our brain where we need to do some high function processing. It's kind of like, have you ever gone shopping when you're really hungry? And you buy all this crap that you would never normally, like I go and I'm buying, I don't know, Captain Crunch cereal with like chocolate milk because I have this urge. It is dangerous. It's the same thing if you're really turned on and aroused and horny and being like, let's talk about sex and what we want, what we don't like and what we try, what we don't want to try. Right. I really encourage you to have those close on conversations with your partner. And some of the things that I've talked about before is communicating and just making it normal, normalizing that. One of the things that I always suggest to people is with your partner, maybe once a month, more if necessary, have a time to actually sit down and talk about your sex life. Talk about your relationship, what's working, what's not working. 
I wouldn't suggest whipping out a toy when you're in the middle of sex. You don't know how your partners react. Now they could be like lit up and excited and amazed by it. But sometimes you whip this thing out and they're going to be like, oh my goodness. And sometimes penis owners have this world of they're in competition with toys rather than a toy is playing for the same team, which is providing pleasure for my partner. They can be intimidated. So I don't think whipping it out. I mean, you could wrap up the box and give it to them and see what happens. Or you can maybe have it in a box and sit down and have a close on conversation with them and talk about your sex life. Asking him what he would like to explore or fantasies that he would like to reenact sexually. And then when he tells you that, you could be like, great, would you like to hear mine? He's going to say yes, because of course he shared his. And then you could be like, mine is trying some different things, maybe some toys, some lube, some sexy underwear. So you open up the space for him to share first, then you share. And then next time you guys are together, be like, hey, I followed up on our conversation and this is what I have. I think that's a fun, good on you to be like, hey, I want to try something new. It's going to be exciting. You know, it's important sometimes to take steps in our own erotic life and be our own erotic leader. And our partners hopefully follow when we can have those conversations with them and really open up that space to get creative and have fun. Number four, I bought a womanizer clitoral stimulator last week. So for those of you who don't know, a womanizer, it's a new technology to specifically stimulate the clit. It just kind of hovers over and it vibrates and some of them like suck and blow air really quickly. And it's become quite popular. So that's what a womanizer is. And there's lots of different models of it. But I think the womanizer was one of the first ones. That's why it's called that kind of like Kleenex for tissue paper. It's all about like the branding of it. Okay, so bought a womanizer clitoral stimulator last week. Have used it a couple times and it's fab. Good for you. High five. Amazing. Twice when I've turned it up though i've come and i've squirted slash gush slash peed no idea what at the same time this has never happened before i'm seeing a new guy for the first time tomorrow and we're definitely going to have sex i'm scared now in case this happens i'm not sure why i'm even asking this but how do i stop it happening again all right so let's pull this apart break it down awesome question so I have a question for you before I answer it. Does it feel good? Four really powerful words. Does it feel good? If it does, enjoy it. Rock it out. Have fun with it. This is how your body expresses itself sexually when it has this sounds like this new and very specific type of stimulation on your clit. Cool. Who knew you could do this? This is amazing. There are people who have clits, who have vulvas, who would love to be able to squirt. And there are some people like yourself who are uncomfortable. It's new. It's like, oh my God, did I pee the bed? No. Squirting orgasms are amazing. And it totally makes sense. If you're using a different, a new type of toy and new type of stimulation, it can provide new types of pleasure and your body can respond and react in new ways. It's completely healthy. It's completely normal. Don't worry about it. That's where I'll start. Does it feel good? If it does, that's what matters, not your partner's judgment of it. And you can talk to your partner about that and talk about orgasm. And listen, your partner is male. Guess what, guys? Guess what people who have penises do when they orgasm? They squirt. So it's not like this foreign thing, like white light shines out of your pussy when you come and you're like, oh, it's not like that. It's like, okay, a penis squirts and cool. You can now squirt, which is awesome and fun. So good for you.
Now, in case this happens, have some towels down. Have a conversation with your partner. Really, really easy. Now, the thing that I want to offer you, and I'm going to assume you've had orgasms before where there wasn't ejaculation that accompanied it. So the same type of stimulation that you've had with a male partner, they have a penis, and you orgasm in a particular way, you're going to continue that, that way. Now, with different types of stimulation, like using your womanizer, you will more than likely have the ejaculation waterworks. So different types of stimulation, different types of orgasmic responses. That's generally what's happening. It's not like, oh my God, I unlocked the next level of my pussy and now I can squirt. And now every time I orgasm, I can squirt. So don't worry about that. You're going to be the partner. The usual type of stimulation is going to provide the usual type of orgasms. So I hope that's helpful. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Bring towels. Have a conversation. Don't worry about it. Your partner may be like, oh my God, I love this. This is the most amazing thing ever. And if they're not and they judge you or they make you wrong for something that is completely healthy and normal, they're probably not the best partner for you. Okay, very straightforward question. I'm a single mom now, which means at some point I'll have someone in my life and in my bed. Happy face or crying face. Crying happy face. I don't know what type of emotion they're trying to convey. I've breastfed and feel extremely insecure about my breasts post-feeding. My boobs are small with one, two, three, four, five A's and two L's. But it's the look of them that's not very appealing to me. My ex never said anything about it, though. Do men really care or is it all in my head? I am not going to speak for all men. I identify as a man. I am one. But if someone that you are going to be sexual with is someone that you're going to be naked with judges you for how your body looks, how your body feels, how your body orgasms, how your body naturally smells, how your body feels, F them. They are not a good partner for you. That is a red flag. And I promise you, I get you're in this place, you have kids, and you're like, at some point in my life, there is plenty of partners who will love your body, cherish your body. You are a complete, whole, beautiful, amazing person. Your breasts are part of you, a very small part of you. Now, if this person only likes or has a strong preference for people who have large breasts, cool. You're not a good match, but there are millions and millions and millions of people who don't. That's not the thing that they really need. The thing that I think is key here is it's the look of them for yourself that's not appealing to you. And that's really where I encourage you to do the work. I talk to a lot of women who have body image issues, who are feel bad about how their body looks, how their body smells, how their body tastes, how their body feels, like any kind of thing. There is a lot of pressure put on people about an ideal form or an ideal body part shape or length or width or girth that is supposed to be sexy. And those people who have that are then blessed to be sexy or the most desired or the hottest or the most celebrated body that's out there. Listen, I promise you, Every single person has an insecurity about their body. I certainly do. And I've worked with hundreds of people. I work with 
people who quote unquote have the best bodies are fitness models or porn stars or people that are supposed to be these highly sexualized, highly idealized body types. And every single one of them has something that they're insecure about. I think it's just part of being human. My invitation to you is work on developing that love and appreciation for your body in feeling good about your breasts, whatever that looks like for you. There's meditation, there's positive affirmations, there's body positive coaches that are out there. There's people that choose to enhance their bodies so they can enjoy their bodies and they do that for themselves so they like their bodies better. Cool, all those options are there for you. But that's where... It, it really begins. The most sexy attribute, and studies have shown this again and again and again, is confidence. So you trusting in yourself, you believing in yourself, you loving your body. If you take your top off and you're just like, F yeah, like I'm hot and this is awesome, your partner's going to be like, holy shit, let's go. It's exciting. So I would really encourage you to do that self-work for yourself. And then if a partner is not 100% on board, just be like, okay, bye. Hi, Felicia. Like, ain't nobody got time for that. Okay. I think we got time for more question. So still married. Both of us not want to have sex with each other. No attraction. Help. First things first, I'd think about where did that attraction get lost? What was happening in your relationship? You were attracted at one point because you were married. What happened? Was there a particular incident that interrupted that attraction? Was there a significant change in your physicality or your partner's physicality, your bodies? Was there a break in trust? Did someone cheat on the other person? What happened? And often going back to think about those things and working on that and healing that break or healing that interruption of attraction can do great things for your physical attraction. Right. If you're fighting with your partner, if you're resentful of your partner, if you don't trust your partner, it's not something that you're like, oh, this is super hot. Let's have sex. No, we hold on to that. And until that is resolved, there's probably not going to be a lot of physical attraction that's there. So that's what I'll say about that. And then going back to the first person of there's three things you could do. You could just be like, hey, this is the way it's going to be and resign yourself that you're not going to have sex. You can leave the relationship or you can sit down and have conversations about what it looks like for you to either work on your sex life together or you work on your sex life without your partner. All right. So last question, got four minutes. All right, let's go. This, I'm not quite sure what this question is asking, but I'm going to do my best at answering it. It seems to be popular in porn at the moment for men to slap their penis on the woman's clitoris. To me, it's not visually pleasing, but I accept that I'm probably just a bit out of touch. So hit pause right there. No, if it's not pleasing to you, don't ever do it. I don't care what's happening in porn. I don't care what a book says. I don't care what a, a sex expert says. I don't care whatever. It's your body. It's your clit. So if you don't want someone taking their dick and smacking it, cool. You tell them that. Okay. And then it goes on. I imagine it doesn't feel particularly stimulating e either. Well, that's going to be different because you don't know what you're watching and what that person enjoys or what they've communicated ahead of time or anything. So that person may really enjoy having a penis hit their clit. If it doesn't work for you, awesome. This person goes on to ask, don't magazine articles always instruct that a man's perineum, so that's just around the head of the penis, is very sensitive and enjoys being licked? Well, listen, again, magazine articles are not your partner. Find out what your partner really likes. They may like the head of their penis being bit. They may like you slapping it. I don't know. 
And magazine articles don't know. Sure, is the perineum sensitive? It absolutely is. But how it's stimulated is going to be different for each person who has that. So ask them. Get curious about that. Don't watch porn for information and don't read magazine articles. Talk to your partner. Why do magazine articles talk about this stuff? Because it pushes an insecurity for us and has us buy these things because it's like, oh my God, I need to be this expert. I need to know this. I need to read this. No. Magazine articles are there to sell magazines. And guess what? Fear of sexually being inadequate or sexually uneducated or being a bad lover is a great motivator to spend that money to buy that magazine. Rant over, kind of, and may come back. Okay, so magazine articles always instruct that a man's perineum is very sensitive and enjoys being licked. But however hard I try, my partner doesn't get any enjoyment from it. Cool, awesome. It, it doesn't work for him. Great. Do you have any other pleasurable suggestions for things to try? Sure. Ask. Have that conversation. If you click the link in my bio on Instagram, you can download for free a sex menu. That's a list of like 165 different ways you can connect sexually. And then you can have a conversation about what your partner likes and what you like with your partner in real time with real facts. And that's where... The only place I invite you to find information on how to please your partner is talking with your partner. And that's this week's episode. It's a wrap. I'm going to be stepping out into the spotlight in the next couple of months, doing a big PR push, re-emerging, relaunching my speaking career. So keep an eye out for that. And if you want to become part of the community, if you want to take our relationship to the next level, I invite you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. DeWitt, D-R-D-E-W-I-T. You can click the link in my bio, you can join my email list, you can ask me questions, and you can keep up to date on all the interesting things that I am up to in my life. And remember, the more we understand about ourselves and each other, the less we have to fear, the more love is here. So here's to happy days and living a sex life unleashed.